John chapter 9. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man sinned nor his parents, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he'd said these things, he spat on the ground, made some mud from saliva and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left, washed and came back seeing. His neighbours and those who formerly had seen him as a beggar said, Isn't this the man who sat begging? And some said, He is the one. No, others were saying, But he looks like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. Therefore they asked him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. The day Jesus had made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. So again the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was division among them. And again they asked the blind man, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He is a prophet, he said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight, and they asked them, Is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How then does he now see? We know this is our son, and that he was born blind, the parents answered. But we don't know how he now sees, and we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as the Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. This is why his parents said, He's of age, ask him. So a second time they summoned the man who'd been born blind and told him, Give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. And he answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I've already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? And they ridiculed him. You're that man's disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. 
We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to them. Throughout history, no one has heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, he found him and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, You've seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, We aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I want to thank you for this building, uh, shelter, for your goodness to us in so many ways, for a church family and for the scriptures in our own language. And with the psalmist we pray, open our eyes that we might see wonderful things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the uh, privileges I have as a pastor is uh, hearing people's stories. So uh, when someone comes to church, when they're new to church, I often ask them, how did you come to faith? Tell me your testimony, give me your story. Uh, You should try asking that question. It's a wonderful question. You hear so many different stories because we're all different. We're different backgrounds, different upbringings, a different journey that God took you on until you met Jesus. Everyone's got their own unique story, but, uh, you know, at its fundamental level, it's all just the same story, isn't it? If you're here tonight and you follow Jesus, you were once lost without God, and Jesus found you. If you're here tonight and you follow Jesus, you were once blind. You couldn't see God. You didn't want to see God. And Jesus opened your eyes and showed you the glory of who Jesus is. Let me just share a few stories of people's testimonies from this church. Some of us know uh, Dave Jensen. He left us a couple of years ago. He's an amazing testimony. Uh, Dave was a son of a pastor, the son of the former Archbishop of Sydney. Uh, he, he describes himself as like the, the lost son. You know, he had everything and he squandered everything. He squandered everything on wild and reckless living, the, the women, the sex, the alcohol, the drugs, the violence. He was up in Darwin, in Darwin with the army and, and one night after another drunken night, he, he came home to his bedroom And by his bed, he sat down and he said, what am I doing? 
what am I doing? And he describes it as how all, all the, the, the stories from Sunday school, they just came flooding back. And it's like God was just drawing him back to him. And right there by his bed, Dave Jensen knelt down and said a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. And he came back to God. Let's praise God for opening Dave Jensen's eyes. Earlier this year we baptized Kim, who's now at Lavender Bay Church. Uh, Her story is that uh, her fiancé wanted to come to church. She didn't want to come. And they came to 945 Church here in Kirribilli. And they heard about a Christianity Explored course that was starting the next night. And the fiancé wanted to go to the course. She didn't want to go. And he dragged her to the course. And when they read Mark's gospel together, she met the Lord Jesus Christ. And God opened her eyes to who Jesus was. Praise God for that. I don't like singing people out, but Tyson and Elle, who I get the privilege of marrying this coming Friday, uh, they came to our church and uh, they've met Jesus and their life has been utterly transformed. Uh, a guy called Dan, who is, who is part of our church, uh, he, he describes his story as he had everything. He had the beautiful wife, he had the kids, he had the job, he had the house, and he thought he had God. He read his Bible, he came to church, he said his prayers. Until one morning here at church, he suddenly realized he didn't need religion. He needed Jesus. He didn't need works, he needed grace. And here in Kirby, God opened his eyes. Uh, Julia Lees, who left us to go to London, she, she stood up last week and she said, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, but I was broken, I was confused, I was hurting, and I'd wandered so far from God. And I came into this church, and I, I was welcomed, and I kind of saw Jesus in people, and, and Jesus drew me back to himself. And she's now walking with Jesus. Do you know the story of um, John Newton? He's the guy who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. This is his testimony. Uh, John Newton grew up in a, in a, a home with a, a Christian mother, and his mother told him about Jesus. But his mother died when he was just seven years old. Uh, his father was in the Navy, so he went to sea on the ships, and by the age of 11, he was living the life of a, of a sailor, you know, with the women, and the drink, and the drugs, living a, a, a debauched life without Jesus. And John Newton got caught up in the slave trade industry. What happened was that he used to sell ships from the north of England to Africa. And the ships would have this cargo of, of scissors and mirrors, just basic goods. And when they reached Africa, they sold the scissors and they sold the mirrors for what? For a black slave. And they took that black slave chained him to the ship and took him to America to be a laborer in America. And as a slave trader, John Newton, miles away from God, he was sailing across the Atlantic one night and, and suddenly this massive storm hit. And he, he described it as with the, the rain lashing onto his face and the wind in his ears. For the first time in his life, he was, he was afraid. 
He was frightened of death. He was frightened of drowning. But most of all, amazingly, he was frightened of meeting the holy and righteous God that his mother had taught him about when he was age seven. And he remembered one thing. He remembered one word. What was that word? Grace. And he cried out to God. He said, God, my mother told me that you were forgiving. Would you forgive me? My mother told me that you were loving. Please save me. And God opened his eyes and he saw Jesus. And he walked with Jesus for the rest of his days. And now the hymn Amazing Grace has a new meaning, doesn't it? How's it go? Amazing grace, undeserved favor, undeserved love. How sweet the sound. It's just the best news in the world, isn't it? That saved a wretch like me. That's me, that was you, blind to God, wandering from God. I once was lost, distant from God, lost without him, trying to do life by yourself, but, but now I am found. What's the next line? Was blind, but now I see. That's my story, and I hope that is your story, that you were blind without God, and now you see. And that's the story of John chapter 9. Do you see it in verse 25? What does the blind man say? Or the man who was formerly blind, I should say, what did he say? Chapter 9, verse 25, I was blind, but now I see. And John chapter 9 is actually this wonderful story with, with deep meaning, because it's not just that he was physically healed, he was spiritually healed. In this chapter, the, the man starts in, chapter, in verse 1, and he is blind physically. By the end of the chapter, he can see physically. And at the beginning of the chapter, he doesn't know Jesus. He is spiritually blind. But by the end of the chapter, he has seen Jesus. He believes in Jesus. He's been born again. God has opened his eyes. And the key verse for the whole chapter is down in verse 39. Look at it with me. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. It's like a double-sided coin. When Jesus steps into the world, when people meet Jesus, either they recognize that they were blind, they recognize that they were lost, and Jesus gives them sight, and he finds them, and they're born again. Or the flip side is, some people who think they see, some people who think they know God, when they come face-to-face with the Messiah, they become more and more entrenched in their blindness. Let's look at the, the first side of the coin. Jesus gives sight to the blind. It takes a miracle to believe. Now let's meet the blind man in verse 1. As he was passing by, as Jesus passed by, Jesus saw a man blind from birth, and his disciple questioned him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Let's just stop there. The disciples have got their theology totally wrong. They're a bit like Job's miserable comforters, you know. You're suffering because you sinned. And they see this man who's born blind, and their theology says uh, his suffering must be the consequence of his sin. So either this man sinned in the womb or his parents must have sinned. That's why he's blind. Look at what Jesus says in verse 3. It's so important to get your theology of suffering right. 
Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Suffering's not that, sim- not that simple. You, you cannot draw a nice, neat equation between suffering and sin. You cannot look at someone and say, no, because you've got cancer, you must have sinned. Because you're depressed, you must have sinned. Uh, sometimes there is a direct consequence. Of course there is sometimes. But not always. So get your theology right. Uh, why is this man suffering? Verse 3. Oh, this came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. So that you might see how amazing God is. And you see the miracle down in verse 6. After he said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud from saliva and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so the man left and he washed. And miraculously, for the first time in his life, he could see. Can you imagine that? You've never seen the sky. You have never seen trees. You have never seen the water. You've never seen anything. And amazingly, you can see again. It's a miracle. I don't really know the significance of the mud or the saliva. Lots of speculation about, you know, back to creation and the dust of the earth. It could be that. I don't know the significance of the pool of Siloam in verse 7. Again, lots of speculation. It's the, the spring of the Gihon Valley. But what I do know is this. It was Jesus who healed him. Verse 9, Jesus saw the man. The man couldn't see Jesus, could he? But Jesus found him out. And it was Jesus who had compassion on the man and Jesus who healed the man. Not not the mud, not the saliva, not the, the water. It was Jesus himself. How did Jesus do that? Well, the man says down in verse 32 that only only God can heal. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. Have you? Have you ever heard of anyone who's been born blind being miraculously healed? And the answer is only God can do that. And so the man meets Jesus and he goes from being blind to seeing. But that's just a sign. And his physical journey mirrors his spiritual journey. Let's take the spiritual journey. Let's go through the chapter with me. Go to verse 10. The neighbors asked the man, How were your eyes opened? And the man said, The man Jesus made mud. At this point, for the blind man, Jesus is just a man. He's an extraordinary man. He's an amazing man, but he's just a man. Come down to verse 17. And they asked the blind man, that's the Pharisees asked the blind man, what do you say about Jesus since he opened your eyes? And the man says, oh, he's a prophet. That's a step in the right direction, isn't it? He, he, it's a work of God that's been done, so this man must be a prophet. So he's shifted from Jesus is a man to Jesus is a prophet. Come down to verse 30. I love the logic as a mathematician. I love these verses. They're just so logical. The man says in verse 30, this is amazing. This is to the Pharisees. You don't know where Jesus is from, yet he opened my eyes. Uh, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he'll listen to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a, of a person born blind. 
if this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. See the shift? Jesus the man, Jesus the prophet, now he's God, but he's not there yet, is he? His eyes haven't been opened until verse 35 when he actually sees Jesus. And again, Jesus finds him and says, Do you believe in the Son of Man, the one who's going to reveal God, the one who's going to judge the world? Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Jesus answered, You've seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Look at the next verse. Amazing words. I trust. I believe, Lord. And then he fell down on his face and he worshipped him. And that's why I love this chapter. It, it, it takes you through this, this, this journey of coming to faith, of your eyes being opened. Because most people who I have met, they don't give a testimony of this sort of miraculous, instantaneous, I believe, going from total darkness to total light. They talk about a journey. You know, I, I met Jesus and I suddenly realized that, yeah, Jesus did exist. He was a man. And then I started to read the scriptures and I realized that the kind of things that Jesus said, that, well, he must be from God, like a prophet. And, and then I realized that the kind of things that he did, only God could do, so perhaps he's God. And, and then, miraculously, God opened my eyes. And so I wanted to follow as my Lord and my Savior. And that's the kind of journey that most people take. But let me ask you a very personal question. Has Jesus opened your blind eyes? Do you see Jesus? Do you worship Jesus? Do you follow Jesus? Do you believe Jesus? Do you trust him? If the answer is yes, he's opened your blind eyes. When was that? How did he do it? Your story will be different to my story. For me, it took two years of chipping away at me, gradually opening my eyes. I'm kind of like sort of I could just see things, and it was hazy, then it was foggy, then it was becoming clearer, until one day I could see clearly. But the amazing truth that Jesus opens blind eyes is so humbling. Think about this man who was born blind. What did he do to deserve being healed? Nothing. He was just sitting by the side of the road when Jesus healed him. What did you do to deserve your eyes being opened? Nothing. It's just the work of grace, isn't it? It's the most humbling thing about being a follower of Jesus. You've done nothing to deserve it or earn it. Jesus has kindly, compassionately, graciously opened your eyes. And if you are here tonight and you've spent years studying the evidence, but you still do not yet believe, can I ask you to do one thing? Would you pray a simple prayer, Lord, open my eyes? Unless God does open your eyes, you'll never see. And the liberating thing of this truth is that I'm sure, like me, you have got people that you know and you love who do not yet know Jesus. My brother, my sister, my family, my friends, they don't know Jesus. What can I do? I keep presenting Jesus to them, but what can I do? I just pray. Open their eyes, Lord. And you know the humbling thing for me this week? I've actually realized I've actually stopped praying that. Isn't that awful? I've stopped praying that God would open their eyes. 
I pray things like, oh, I pray they read their Bibles. But it needs a miracle, doesn't it? When someone sees Jesus. So, so Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. That's an amazing miracle. But the flip side of the story is the second half of verse 39. We don't like this truth, but it is the truth of Scripture. Do you see it? Jesus came so that those who do not see will see, but those who do see will become blind. And he's saying Jesus blinds those who think they can see. Those people who arrogantly think that they're good enough for God or they know God or they can control God. As they come face to face with the Messiah, with Jesus, he actually blinds them. They grow in their blindness. You ever been to Westfield and seen those sort of escalators? There's one going up and there's one going down. And you're going up the escalator and someone's coming down the escalator. That is John chapter 9. You've got this, this man born blind who's going up the e- up escalator. He's so far away from God, he gets clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer until you can see Jesus. And you've got these Pharisees going down the down escalator because they started the chapter thinking they're religious. By the end of the chapter, they are so far away from God in their unbelief. And what happened? They met Jesus, but they stubbornly refused to believe in him. Let's walk through the chapter again. Verse 13, they, they brought the man, the Pharisees, so the neighbors brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees, to the religious people, to the people who claim to know the scriptures and claim to love God. But look at verse 14, the day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a, was a Sabbath. And you, kind of, you can imagine the scene, they're going, he can't be God, he's, he's broken the law, he's done something on the Sabbath. Because the Pharisaical law said that you're not allowed to heal on the Sabbath unless someone's life was at risk. Was the blind man's life at risk? No. Could Jesus have healed the following day? Of course he could. He'd been blind all his life. Jesus uh, chose to heal on the Sabbath to make the point that he is God. But they love their rules, don't they, the, the religious people? And the religious people love the opposition. They get quite cranky down in verse 22. The man's parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, of the Pharisees. Because the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus as Messiah, they'd be banned, they'd be thrown out of the synagogue. Isn't it often the case that the most people who, the more people don't want to believe, the more they ridicule and they oppose the believer? And then they play the religious card down in verse 28. They ridiculed the man. You're, this, you're that man's disciple. You're Jesus' disciple. But, but we follow Moses. We know our God. He has spoken to Moses. You can imagine the quite sort of pompous, pious. We know our Bibles. We're the good religious people. And you know, in my experience, the clearest sign that somebody is a long way from Jesus is when you ask them a simple question. How did you come to know Jesus? And they say, oh, I'm an Anglican. Oh, I'm a Catholic. Oh, I'm Presbyterian. Oh, I'm Baptist. Oh, I'm a Pentecostal. I think I've covered a whole lot there. But, you know, 
I'm this denomination. I didn't ask that. I'm asking, do you know Jesus? And then these disciples, they throw away the condescending superiority line. Verse 34. You were born in sin, and how dare you try to teach us? I've been thinking this week about our city and our society. We live in an amazing city, don't we, in Sydney? A beautiful city. We've got it all. And yet, if I'm right, we are becoming more godless. And we're drifting further and further away from God. You know all these debates about sexual ethics and same-sex marriage? Have you noticed how in the media they're determined to keep God out of it? And if a, if a Christian happens to say the word God, what happens? You get two responses. Either you say, oh, we don't do God. Leave God out of it. How dare you? Or you get that kind of condescending, patronizing, oh, poor you. You still believe in those, sort of, those fairy tales of Jesus. And then I looked at verse 39. This is just a question. I might be wrong. It's just a question. It says, Jesus is going to blind those who think they can see. And my question is, in our, in our arrogance as a culture, in our arrogance as a city, we think that we know it all, we think that we've got it all, we don't need God. My question is, is perhaps God blinding us? Why is it that we have all these people who go through Sunday school or scripture at school, but they just don't see Jesus? Why is it that the church in the, the developing world is thriving and growing, and people are coming to Christ in their flocks. But in the developed world, the church is declining. I hope I'm wrong, but is perhaps God blinding us? Because we're so arrogant, we think we don't need him. And Jesus comes and he says, chapter 9, verse 5, he says, I'm the light of the world. I've come to bring light to this dark world. But you know that light does two things, don't you? Light illuminates and light blinds. Go home tonight, get in your car, put on your headlights. Now for you sitting in the car, the headlights actually illuminate the road, you can see the right way. But what happens when the car in the opposite direction is coming towards you with their headlights on full beam? It kind of blinds you, doesn't it? That's what Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm going to illuminate some, but I will blind others. And so my question for you again is this. Have you seen Jesus? Has God opened your blind eyes? Can you sing with John Newton, I was blind, but now I see? When was that? How did God do it? Maybe you're here tonight and for the first time you're sitting in church and you're seeing Jesus and you're believing in Jesus. It's a wonderful night, isn't it? Talk to someone, pray, pray with someone. I'll be at the back at the end. But what I thought we'd do to end the sermon tonight is just be a bit different. I've talked enough. Why don't we just share our stories? 
Just stand up where you are. Just keep it really short. Just one or two sentences. I was blind, but now I see. When did it happen? How did it happen? Let's share some stories. There's nothing more wonderful than hearing of God opening blind eyes, is there? I'll kick us off. Somewhere between May and September 1990. After two years of arrogantly and stubbornly thinking that I was intellectually superior and thinking I knew it all, God just chipped away and opened the blind eyes so I could see Jesus. That was me. Feel free to stand up where you are and just share your story.